Welcome to Rooster Radio. My name's Andrew Montesi, here with co-host James Begley. And as usual, really excited about our guest for this episode, Mark Lands, who is one of Adelaide's top real estate agents, director of Lands Real Estate. Ripping fella as well, I've known him for a while, and uh, he's a bit of a rooster. He's probably our best dressed guest, I think. Dom Cassisi. Dom might. Cassisi was right up there, so we might have to put on a bit of a fashion parade, a walk-off actually, Zoolander style. It's topical. Yeah, it's topical. Um, but uh, just to put some context, we've got James wearing his runners, some sort of um, stretched white t-shirt. Um, cotton on. Cotton on t-shirt. And then we've got Mark Lands here in um, uh, nothing less than a madman style outfit, actually. Looking it's intimidating. Amazing. It's intimidating. He does have a few creases in his shirt, so he must have sort of been in a bit of a rush when he left this morning, but we digress. Anyway, Mark, um, how many awards have you won? I'm just trying to go through your bio here. It's just got like salesperson of the year, salesperson of the year, salesperson of the year, sort of year after year. Um, Perhaps tell us a little bit about how you got into this game of real estate. Thanks for having me to start with, I suppose. Uh, yeah, so look, family business. So my old man's uh, been selling real estate and, and run a business for 30 years. Uh, never ever wanted to do it when I was at school. Uh, thought it was an absolute, why on earth would I want to do that and be stressed like that? And then had a moment of clarity or something along those lines where I was looking to do graphic design uh, Mum and Dad went away, Dad had downscaled the business, was working from home, predominantly doing property management, and they came back and I just thought, no, I won't go to uni, I'll get into real estate. So that was a bit of a surprise for them, and uh, yeah, then the rest is history, I guess, we'll maybe touch on it, but... Mm. Well, this is, having come from a, a background where no one in my family's owned a business, what's it like growing up knowing that your dad has a business and I I always um, fantasize that I wish my parents owned a business because it'd be this security blanket eventually I could get a job there or I've got some sort of future that's guaranteed did you feel like that growing up like there's always this safety blanket there uh, I actually didn't um, I was probably too self-absorbed to actually think much <laughs> further than what you're I'm doing. you're really comfortable you're right at home here at Risa Rafia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no look it was something that I was always proud of you know, uh, even before I probably realised, uh, definitely before I realised what entail, like what running a business entails. So uh, it was certainly something that you know, the actual idea of it was great. Uh, which I think the naivety around owning a business is, oh, you, you own your own business and far out, you must have it easy. So there, there was an element of that to it. Um, but I also, but I, but I didn't have a desire to to work in real estate. My parents were awesome. They never whatever I wanted to do, they were behind me. So, um, so yeah, I, I, but it is something that certainly in the back of my mind, and, and then I guess when that time came to make those decisions, I, I still don't know why that was what I decided, but I thought, yeah, I'll do it. And um, yeah, I'm eternally grateful for so, the opportunity. And, and just quick, how old were you then when you decided to go back into the business? I would have been 19. Okay. What did... What was the reaction of your old man when you said, I want to get on board? Oh, shit, no. Um, <laughs> they were good. They were like, oh, okay. They were surprised. Um, and it's not until now that I look back at the actual gravity of what they did mm. um, for me. They, they, they were working from home. 
Uh, so they went and leased a commercial premises, the financial obligations that went along with that. Oh, even mm. It's probably only been in the last three or four years that I've actually really appreciated that. So uh, they were supportive, they were, they were awesome. So I didn't start working, I then went and did my study whilst I was working at a place called YouthWorks and uh, that was a really good job. And then I started, I think in 2000, I think I was about 20 or 21. For all those that don't know, youth works in Jetty Surf. Um, <laughs> if you worked, my at wife those, worked at Jetty Surf. Well, there you were like the per- perfect couple. You were like you the guys must have been the popular. Yeah, guy. you were like the most popular people in town because a you had lanyards. Uh, yes. had lanyards. I've still everywhere. got mine. Do you? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah youth works. Um, yeah. Nick Smith, one of my good friends, used to work at Jetty Surf. Yep. And uh, he was pretty much owned Adelaide by the time that his tenure had finished there. Um, there were some reasonable connections to be made. Well, I. There's yeah. a reason why you would have hung around. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, I don't blame you. I and the gentleman I... that owns YouthWorks is now the mayor. Who's it? Martin Hayes. There you go. Is that how he right built it? his... Uh, so Martin, yeah, so he... That's how he built his reputation, yeah. like owning YouthWorks. That's all yeah. he's got to do. Imagine the credibility. Oh, yeah. it's phenomenal. So yeah, so he did that and he's a pretty amazing guy, actually. Yeah. yeah. Can you step us through, in sort of um, uh, a bit of detail, how real estate makes money? and some rough percentages that are sort of industry benchmarks. So for someone like me, I've bought um, and sold once or twice. Um, it, it's a little bit foreign, you know, mm-hmm. your, your real estate comes in, you know that there's a percentage and, and you pay that, but how does it work? How does a real estate business make money? Okay, so everything, so pop, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic business model, it has, uh, obstacles associated with it, but it's, it is it is very, very good. So there's two arms to any business. You've got your property management arm and your residential sales arm, simplistically speaking. Uh, there can be more to it than that, but, but idealistically, they're your two arms to your business. You have to run them independently. So from, a, from an auditing perspective, financial perspective, you have to have clarity around what's, what's our PM division making, what's the sales division making, but they complement each other and grow each other's business. So they have separate balance sheets, separate P&L? Yep. Yep. Then from the perspective of the actual sales process, the beauty of that is you're selling stock that you don't have to pay for. So you're selling a product that you don't need to buy, but you take your portion out of that transaction. So that's the beauty of it. Um, The difficult part is it's extremely competitive. Um, so it's understanding uh, why would someone pick one of your salespeople or you to sell their property? They can pick whoever they want. So that's where your skill set comes into that and, and the strategies yeah. around that. And I think that's one of the key points that I had written down to ask you. As a smaller independent agent going yes. up against the big boys and you know, to be a multiple award winner that you are in a really competitive environment, you've obviously done that really well. So how did you... How do you set yourself out as that small independent guy, as a point of difference, as someone that a client can go to? So there's, there's a couple of, more, I guess, ways to answer that. But first and foremost, people buy off people. And there's a massive misconception that there's big guys and then there's the independents. Mm. There is, and so in a large franchise office uh, or in a small franchised office, you have fantastic performers and you'll have a whole lot of mediocrity. So really what it's about is you being the best that you can be in your space 
building a, a market off your own back. And because people, you are right, when you come under a franchise, you will probably, it probably allows more room for mediocrity because the phone will perhaps ring a little bit more. Mm. Um, yeah, you've got the backing of big marketing dollars and that sort yeah, of stuff. But, but it comes back to someone, Mr. and Mr. Mrs. Vendor, they want to sell. If you, if you have knowledge about them, and we'll talk about that a bit more later, but if you have knowledge about that person, if you understand their timing, if you've been consistent and you've helped them, they don't care who you work for. Mm. They, you're a person, as long as you can demonstrate to them what you bring to the table, um, they'll list with you. So, and, and from a buyer perspective, a buyer doesn't care who's selling a home. They so, just, is it the right house, is it in the right area? Okay, so to wind back then, as that kid at 2021, really getting involved in the business, how did you learn all of this? Was it just through having a crack and, and trial and error and learning on the go? Um, I'd imagine your old man would have um, invested a fair bit of time in teaching you the way. Mm -hmm. How did you really learn in those early years? There was a lot of trial and error. There was, um, uh, so I went into a business that wasn't sales focused. Mm. So we, we were transacting property, but that wasn't the main uh, revenue of the business. And so what I learned from my, my dad was some really good principles uh, and really good techniques and, and how he had been doing things. Uh, I worked on transactions alongside him. So I was always fortunate that like, I think my first day working, we listed a property. So I always had stock to work on. Um, but it quickly became apparent to me that like we didn't have a database. Uh, mm. We didn't have, there, there was so much that wasn't there. So, and I, I, not that I knew what you needed, but I knew kind of. But it's funny you mentioned databases because in the conversations I have and what I do in marketing and talking to small businesses, like so many out there don't even have databases or, or if they do, they don't use them. It's this enormous list of people and contacts that they've got that are sitting there untapped. Oh, my, I would say, 90% of my revenue comes out of my database. Wow. So, and, and what- It's a massive lesson then, isn't it, for oh, listeners? Yeah, yes, and I, I couldn't do what I've done without that. And, but I think a database, what it really does is it allows you to leverage. Hmm. So it allows you to communicate with people consistently in volume. Otherwise, how do you remember to call them if, yeah. you, don't, if you don't have a system? For, for me, you? What, I, you know, what I tell people is, it's that ongoing brand recognition. Mm -hmm. uh, because, what we're talking about here is, you know, we're not talking about a product, you know, it's a discounted TV, I'll just go and buy it, or it's a product that I can just go and buy. So you need to be front of mind um, at that time when someone wants to sell. Yep. So it's that, that consistent message and the database allows you to do that. Do you have any sort of metrics on how many people relist with you or, or sort of build a relationship with you and yeah. have multiple um, transactions with you? A year we do. I couldn't tell you them off the top of my head, um, but last year I think about seventy percent of my business was either repeat or referred, uh, and then thirty percent was like coal from from within that twelve month sphere. So for it, like so, getting back to like how do you compete and, and so forth. Like, firstly, it's a quality product. Like, if you don't have a quality product, being yourself and, and your skill set, you're not going to achieve the results that people are going to want for themselves. So you've got, to have, you've got to know what you're doing. But then secondly, it's, see, because in the sense of, of the real estate realm, like James, we, you kind of asked, um, 
then there's many strategies around it, but from an office perspective, one salesperson could service, let's say 1,500 homes. So you, you, that person is given a core area and you say, okay, these 1,500 homes are your core area. You need to become a household name in those 1,500 homes. Uh, generally 7% of the market turns over every year. So in 1,000 homes, there's gonna be 70 deals, okay? So if it, for simplistic, if we talked about 1,000 homes as a core area, there's gonna be, say, roughly 70 transactions in that core area. So you, if you could be at, uh, say, 20% market share, that's 14 deals, so that's one and a bit a month. You can work out your numbers from there, what's the average price, what's your average fee, and then from that, from those transactions in your core area, you're gonna then leverage off every person you meet at that open. So how do you extract information from those people and establish their situation? Uh, yeah. So and, I, and I suppose the art form then becomes that every real estate agency will know these ratios. Mm -hmm. If they all know them and they're all kind of working on the same assumptions, then it comes down to the people and the attitudes and the relationships. Is has to, I guess. I'm naive, I've been in a small insular environment from day one. Uh, and it's not until now that I realise how appreciative I am of that. Because being in a large sales force um, would have some advantages. But yeah, it wasn't up until three years ago that I had any idea what other people were doing, how they were performing mm. until we went in these awards. I mean, James, you said, you know, everyone knows these numbers and stuff, but do they? I mean, you seem like a guy who's very, for, you know, you wouldn't naturally think that a real estate agent is going to be data numbers. I just I mean, picture a numbers convertible, from yeah. slick hair, <laughs> sunglasses, uh, you know, that extroverted sort of rooster type character that, <laughs> and, and be low on detail and high on sort of finger pointing and high fives. Is that, I, I my only answer to that can be perhaps, um, like <laughs> I, I'm you're, OCD. Yeah, you're clearly very System, data and yeah. systems driven, which yeah. I think would be a massive advantage when you combine that with the personality side of sales. Uh, yeah, I, I suppose. And I think that's is the key is your success or, or how you go is directly related to how you make people feel. So if, if you make people feel secure, if you make people feel comfortable, like it's a connection, if they so, connect. So you're saying that <coughs> transactional behavior is, yeah, it's all about feelings, 100%. emotions. Yeah. Yeah. So like, because what's a house worth? It's mm. what someone wants to pay. So okay, well, how can you influence what someone wants to pay? I've got a question, I've got a few friends that have been in this situation where they're coming into their father's business, they have ideas, they yep. have uh, plans or they see things differently and it's painful because there's a real tension that exists between father and son, um, father holds on to sort of certain ways of doing it. How did you guys cope with that relationship? Were there any testing moments or has it all been pretty smooth? You know what, it's actually been really good. Um, that's the wrong that's answer. Wrong answer. Um, <laughs> no, well, no. I, I can tell you how my old man drives me insane <laughs> when, uh, when I start talking to him about his work and yeah. vice versa. Um, but I, you know, yeah. Yeah. so your dad is very has been very open to change within his business. Uh, yeah, he has a lot more now. Like, look, I didn't go in there and want to grab the ball by the horns, but they were always would always listen to feedback that I gave. Doesn't mean would always go along with it, but. Um, I always felt valued as an employee, which is what I started off as. Um, you know, that, 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 that really, like, it's been 13 years now, I suppose. He runs, my dad runs the property management side of the business and I run the sales side. So we, 
you know, we actually don't interact a tremendous amount. So is it almost two separate businesses within yeah. the one, really? So you're allowed to do your thing in a, in a does, way, and he yeah. does his thing. And the, but we then assist each other. So, yeah. um, so it's been really good. Of course, you have moments where you want to headbutt each other and stuff like that, but he want to throw his printers around the office and stuff like that. I've seen that before. So, um, but overall, it has been really good. I'm sorry, that's a boring no, answer, no, no. but yeah, I've been blessed. So, yeah. I mean, you've you've started touching on it, but I'm really interested in to learn about the way you set up your sales systems and perhaps without giving your game away to, mm-hmm. um, to competitors, perhaps telling us how you go about this sort of sales approach because we've been learning a fair bit about it a lot lately. I mean, James and I, we've had some discussions about how the ability to sell is a fundamental skill for anyone in business. Doesn't yes. matter. Doesn't matter where you're working. If you are, if you are in some sort of role, um, if you are employed, if you're breathing, if you're breathing, sales, you know, it's like oxygen. You mm. need it to survive. Mm-hmm. So perhaps give us a bit of an insight about um, what you've learned and some of these sales tips and techniques. Obviously, I it's like I can comment from a real estate perspective. Um, so it's, it's probably kind of going to be re- relatively tailored to what I do. No, that's right because I think. You know, you can pick out some yeah. real fundamentals. But the concepts should yeah, work, Yeah, the concepts, yeah. yeah. I, I actually thought, probably the only preparation I did about this was last night, actually thinking about you saying, like, I want to understand the sales process. I actually don't feel like a salesperson. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's good or bad or indifferent, but I just kind of do a series of tasks, and those tasks have certain outcomes. You say a certain thing and you get a certain hmm. outcome, so you either choose to do those or you don't. I don't feel there's no emotion in. I have a lot of emotion and empathy towards my clients. Like I really do make, and I don't want to sound like I'm, whatever. Oh, I care, but like I genuinely yeah. like to think I'm a relative. Give a shit. Yeah, just I'm just an. I think if people, you, you said earlier, like convertible, yeah. slick hair, this. If you rock up and they go, shit, this he's a, he's a person, and he's actually good at what he does. You might, you're eighty percent there. So from. I don't know, I think I've digressed, but yeah, understanding no, right. that, that process yeah. thing is, is so, and that's where I think if you look at the really good business models within the industry, like Harris, for example, um, that is a systemized business. So, but whereas, it, and what I got to early, and don't get me wrong, there's, there's, there's high performance and, and people do normal things in any office, but it's, you'll tend to find any office that you look at, there's probably one or two people doing great. Mm. and. You know, and then there's a lot that do well, and then there's some that don't. But, uh, but the perception is, oh, that's a big office, or that's a big French, or whatever. But yeah. it's, it's really understanding it's a personal thing. It's either does that does that salesperson get in and do what they need to do each day, and, and maximise their day? And if yeah. they do, they'll do well. And if they don't, they won't. What are the ingredients of a good sales person? Yeah, oh, it's hard to know. Like, um, we kind of spoke a little bit about this before, but that's a part of what I'm looking to do now is growing that sales team. Uh, and finding quality people, identifying them, oh, it's pretty scary. Um, I've got the whole selling a property down well, but selecting people, recruiting, and all those things is, I'm trying to get as much knowledge on that as I can at the moment. So, But it, look, I mean, it's gotta be work ethic. It's gotta be attitude. At the end of the day, my PA, Rocco, who worked with me, had no experience in the industry before I hired him. I had people apply that had years of experience, but I hired him on his attitude. He, he was keen, he was pumped, he wanted to learn. You can teach the technicalities. Um, if someone is not nice, they're not nice. If some, you, you know, how do you, how do you, tr- how do you 
do, deal with that in performance, you can't. Uh, how much of a motivator is money? Uh, yeah, it's hard to differentiate money from goals, from satisfaction. Um, I've had this conversation a lot lately. So originally, all my goals are like fiscally based, or like I want to earn X amount of dollars. Then you kind of that doesn't become as relevant, but in your mind it still is, but it's really not. Um, but it's very hard to detach yourself because it's very difficult for your business to stay level. Like you probably would agree, you kind of either go backwards or forwards. So in a sales-based role, dollars and cents are what you can monitor. Um, Did you have a shift in this area though? I mean, we we discussed this over a beer. Over we did. The, uh, Is that a loaded break. question perhaps? Or not? <laughs> no, no, it actually <laughs> no, wasn't. Kidding, kidding. I'd, I'd completely forgotten about it yeah. until you asked that question, but it was a really interesting chat that we had about perhaps that shift when you perhaps you were very dollars focused from a measuring perspective and then how your thoughts might have changed in that area. Perhaps talk us through that. Yeah, like, I mean, I think that's your, your own personal values. Mm. Uh, like, I, I think we spoke about it is like, so I previously was very goals focused. So it was like, what are my goals? This is what I want to achieve. But you're perpetually not satisfied mm. because as soon as you achieve your goals, like, well, what's your next goal? So what I am trying to get my head around, and this is outside of the sales room, this is more of a personal kind of thing, is understand what your values are. So instead of I want to earn 400 grand this year, it's I want to be a successful, I want to feel the feel the, the rush of closing business. Okay, so if you want to feel the rush of closing business, what does your day have to look like to achieve that end? So then you know, okay, well, the results went up or went down. I still, still battle with this in my mind, but you can then ask yourself the question, but did my days and weeks align with, you know, my ethos or my values? And if they did, then you feel that satisfaction. I know we've talked about this before, but I'm staggered at the amount of, and it's a sort of a traditional high performer cycle or yeah. trap, and that is really proud of the, the past and mm -hmm. what you've achieved when you list it. Mm -hmm. You're always very optimistic about the next five years and what's possible. And yet in the moment, there's always complete dissatisfaction in the moment. And when you go and you piece that together, you go, that is crazy. Because evidence will suggest I do really well, uh -huh. I'm really looking forward to the future, and yet I go home and there's this anxiety that I'm not where I should be. Uh -huh. And to some degree that drives performance, uh -huh. but it also can lead to a pretty unhappy life. Uh -huh. And for me, my own personal experience was, was being at the Fremantle Football Club and realising that in terms of culture change, which was my role, uh -huh. um, the day that I realised I can't change people's behaviors, mm -hmm. but I can behave in a way which is congruent with what my values are, it allowed me to go home and feel like I achieved, even though the outcomes, the tangible outcomes, weren't necessarily there every day. But it was a far greater way to live than feeling a sense of, well, we're going nowhere as a club because that person didn't behave in this way, which I deemed to be the outcome that was successful for me. So I'd be interested to get your thoughts on oh, your look, experience with that stuff. Yeah, yeah, look, that's wisdom. Like you, you, you've had experiences over your career and life that you gained wisdom to understand that. And that's, I think at the end of the day, personal development, that's mm. what that comes back to. And, and, and everyone handles it differently because people have different passions and drives and values. But uh, for me, yeah, I, I completely agree. And that's, uh, but I also think it's a real continual thing, like, because it's really easy to end this to go, like, I understand what my, I know what's important in my life. Uh, I know I'm going to 
always have food on the table and but then why is it that if you don't put a deal together or you don't hit the numbers you want you get you, wow. you, you feel worried mm. you say, well whether that's something that's just in us i don't know but but i completely agree that it's understanding theoretically and i'm not saying i've got this but it's understanding the processes what you need to do and and because it's all well and good to say look my family's my priority but then i go and spend 13 hours a day at work well oh, it's because i want to provide for them well that's all taken care of they're provided for you could go on their minimum wage and you're probably going to be fine hmm. so it's it's really that drive because how it makes you feel when you do well and i think it's acknowledging that as a goals focused person <clears throat> what does that look like are you uh, bit on the fly you sort of well in my head my goals are this or are you quite reflective do you sit down you know once a month and um, you know look at your list and evaluate where you're at and then sort of tick the boxes cross the boxes I have so we monitor list like listings and exchange properties every month you know what targets you want to hit so they're up on a board they're really visual so you can see how you're tracking which is good but then I look and oh there's not enough up there or there's <laughs> heaps or great so but I think uh, the key looking at the software we use, there's an updated version coming out on that and what the focus of that is gonna be is you'll be able to look at yourself or your sales team and monitor their activity. So you'll look at someone's activity graph and it will cause what connections have they made and then how does that line up with what business they're writing. So it's really clear to go, well, okay, you're not happy with what business you're writing, but what's your activity like? And someone's writing business numbers that you would like to, we'll look at their activity. So it's really focusing on yeah. what's your activity, how does that look, and then providing a, yourself with a system or platform uh, that drives that. And I guess that's probably the part of the business is systemizing what I do. Mm. Uh, I'm working on that at the moment is kind of, we have, you have like a communication trail. So any person that I meet in my real estate existence should have a trail of communication attached to mm. them. So, uh, yep, I'm just assisting you. your trial. Yep, good, got it. So you'll James be just handed him a business card. So I'll ask you some questions well, later and I'll find out your address and when you want to move. No, now you'll take a picture on your phone and that'll upload to your server and it'll take my... Uh, Evan, I just yeah, smash yeah. it on there. Yeah. So it's, you know, every person you meet, you've got to know, it's no good having someone in your database and they're just in there. Hmm. Like, there's no... Are they alive? Where yeah, do they live? Do they move state? Are yeah. they... How old are they? Yeah. So, and it's about numbers. Like I never used to think this was a volume game. I used to think, oh, you know, you could do three or four deals a month and it's not high volume and you can go, well, well, yeah, that's fine. But to get those, you need volume. You need to be speaking to people. So uh, I'm in the process. I'm probably 80% through redrafting every point of communication we have with everyone in that whole life cycle of them as a client. So an example of that would be, you call a buyer back about a property, or someone comes through your open, okay? If you, if you connect a call with that person, there's a script that you run through that will identify, do they have a home to sell or not? And if they do have a home to sell, they then move on to two point, what, like a, a further communication plan, which mm. aims to take them from being a buyer inquiry to an appraisal. Mm. And then at the end of that, if you don't appraise it, they then merge on to seven point whatever, which is annual prospecting plan. And then, and those emails, those calls are all, all done. So my sales people or myself, I don't have to go, okay, what am I gonna to send to this person? Mm. It's, it's there, it just gets on that day. It's to the point where the system will automatically send it if I tell it to. So every, everyone in your system is on some sort of life cycle. Yep, 100%. So that, yeah, that's, this is the sort of stuff that I wanted to get into. I, yeah, find it, yeah. Yeah, I find it really fascinating 
Yeah. And you, you have to, but what does your head in? Like literally I'm doing this as we speak, I spent four hours. I've probably done, I've probably put into this, so it's your whole, they're called DNAs in our software. It's like trails, basically called DNAs. And there's seven points. So like point one are buyers, point two are appraisals, point three is listings. Uh, so you've listed it, getting it to market. Point four is vendor management on the market. So informing your vendors and how you build, establish that relationship while homes on the market. Point five is exchange to settlement. So getting a property from under contract to settlement, every task that's associated, following up finance approval, all that stuff. Uh, then that's five, it's point six is uh, settlement. So it's like your anniversary contacts. And then point eight, uh, sorry, that's point six and point seven is annual prospecting. But it's really hard when you go through it. I've had that many meetings with Rocco where you think, okay, well, if, some, if this happens, what are they, What? where does that person fit? Mm. You know, uh, and create a new category. Yeah, uh, we did this morning. A new mailing list that yeah. occurs yeah. a certain amount of time. Yeah. That's yeah. uh I mean, that's super fascinating. I think those, these sort of things you can look at for your own business, irrespective of what it oh, is. These 100%. Systems. And yeah. I'm typing those emails. Like, I'm thinking, okay, it's not like someone goes, oh, here's a system. You know, different, someone in real you, estate could. Do you, I mean, in, in the web world, they talk a lot about split testing and A-B yep. testing. Do you do that sort of thing with um, these systems? Do you say, right, I'm going to test a certain way on this group of um, you know, people in my database and I'm gonna test this system um, on this other group and then I'm gonna compare the results. Do you get that uh, sort of deep? I monitor, it's probably directly no. Um, the main reason is is successful outcomes from prospecting is largely driven by people's circumstance. Yeah. So your goal is to make someone from being cold to warm and so to do that is you establish a connection, yeah. right? But you have no bearing on whether, when they become hot. Yeah. When they become hot, that's when they've bought somewhere else, they're broken That's up. random, that's up to random. Yeah. Yes, right. So I could run a campaign, which is a letter that, to a suburb, um, which could have, goes to a thousand homes, and I could generate 10 appraisals out of that. And I could, oh, that letter is awesome. But that could actually be because of a whole a whole trail of, of over time and it's just that's when you've got traction um i think a great uh, test of leadership and i know i've talked a lot to mark stewart about this he was on rooster radio previously and that is when you're a leader and you can you can reflect on your process and say we nailed those and we didn't get the outcomes but i'm still super happy yeah i reckon that's a great test because i reckon 95 percent of the time your temptation is we did all the right things, we didn't get the outcome, so I'll still go back and have a crack at either salespeople or they didn't do their job. But what you're talking about is you can tick all the boxes and for whatever reason, that month is just unlucky. Yep. And, and have there been times where you've gone, guys, we actually did what we should have and I think it'll change next month. Oh, and even from an actual uh, specific property perspective, or, or there's, if I lose business, uh, so we go into an appraisal and I don't win that business and I know I have done everything I possibly could, I'm actually fine with it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm completely fine, but I get more disappointed, upset, whatever you want to call it, when I know I haven't. When, or something pops up in my core area and I, that person wasn't on a trail, I didn't have their details in my database. That's what upsets me because I know, well, that's my fault, you know. Um, another question sort of along this line, but you strike me as someone who can be quite prescriptive. Um, you have a clear picture, you're mm -hmm. systemized. 
um, you know how things need to be done. Yeah. How do you cope then in a business world and building a business which is all about human beings who mm-hmm. don't operate the same way? How do you manage their style, mm-hmm. their flair, with the way that you want things done? Yep. That's a really good question, and it's difficult um, because, as I said earlier, I'm at heart, I suppose, I'm a salesperson, even though I don't think of myself as a salesperson, but, but, but leading people, it's, I mean, it's a whole, it's, there's a reason why people study it a lot, and, you know, there's MBAs and all of that jazz. So, like, my main thing that I've found is I just want people to know they're appreciated. So if I can, and there is room for person personality and there's room for flair within my business. So, oh, Mark, I, I want to, and this is, do I recruit established salespeople or do I get people that are fresh to the industry and train them how I want? I think that's the key. I think you could subsidize with one or two people that are established, but really that needs to be the right people because... Uh, there was a training DVD I watched years ago, and uh, oh, a good example. So there's a script that we use, uh, and I'll run through it with you if you want, um, when you call a buyback, right? And the goal is you want to uh, deal with their needs and find out what they want to know, but you want to establish what their situation is. And I heard this is probably a script that changed my business a long time, maybe uh, six years ago, five years ago. And it was simple, but when I heard it, because everything's about generating listings. You could be the best person at selling houses, but if you don't have listings, it means nothing. Mm. You're broke. So listings are 99% of my business. Um, so everything you've got to do has to have that focus. So there was a script. I'll run through it with you, but I used it. I got great results. And over time, it evolved. It, like, my new percentages had changed. And then when my PA started, I went through the script with him and said, this is what you need to do when you call buyers back after an open inspection. And he rattled it off and wasn't, we weren't getting great outcomes from it. And then I listened to it and I thought, that's not, that's not what it was. I went back and looked at the, listened to the original script. I was like, we need to line up. As soon as we lined up with it, bang. But then, so, so I evolved and, and you know, you can get better every day by 1%, but you can get more crap every day by 1%. So, uh, then, so I was like drilling into him, this is what you need to say. And even to this day, we they still make that call. And I can hear, and I, I don't micromanage, but these are key points. And it's like, you said that in the wrong order. And I'm not here to crunch you or be a you know, draconian, but there's a reason why that works. There's no deviation. There's no room for deviation in that. You, you've got to get it right. Mm. You deal with that in a, in a, in a good way. Mm. Um, but then there's things outside of that. Uh, you know, we, I'm creating these con, uh, contact plans and rock is as much involved as, as, as I am, so. I find this scripting so interesting. I was sort of what I've been angling at the whole time is you know, delving into what you do in this space. Because I was actually listening to a podcast not long ago um, where the guy who was in digital sales or whatever was talking about um, cold contacts. And yep. yeah, you naturally think, geez, cold contacts are a waste of time. But he refined this script over and over and over again through constant testing. This worked, this worked, this didn't work. And over the course of time, he worked out that, that a certain script and it had like four levels based on whether they responded or not and what they said. And he had this script nailed to the point where he could, he had like detailed conversion rates on sales from cold email scripts. Mm-hmm. So, and it's funny, like I, I remember your Instagram post which you put up um, talking I, about retweet, I retweeted or re, yeah, rebranded it, but yeah. Become a wordsmith, practice your dialogue until it becomes second nature to you. I mean, this is probably yeah. 
evolving from what you're saying, but yeah. is the message just crucial? Oh, it's everything. Because like, if you look at what I do, I don't have a drill, I don't have a scalpel. Um, my words, that's it. That's, that's my success, it's my words. It's, so it's two things, um, and actually at that, that conference, that was what I spoke about, was the quality of your words and how you handle the flow of contacts will determine your success. That's all it is. So if you know what words to say at what point in time, they will solicit information, and then from that information, you know how to record that information and go onto an appropriate trail, and then you've got predetermined scripts run down the, down the line, you're gonna get in front of that person at the point in time that you need to be in front of them. Mm. Won't win them all, but you're gonna give yourself a much much greater opportunity to do so. So, and don't get me wrong, like we are real people, like, but you have to understand there's key points and there's key things that you need to work out, and it's predictable. So whatever we do, um, doesn't matter what you do, it's, it's, it's predictable. So mm. when someone calls me and says, Mark, I want an appraisal, or I want to know what your fees are. Like I know what they're gonna ask, I know how they're gonna ask, I know what's important to them. So, okay, design a response that mm. will put that conversation in the way that I want it to go. All of a sudden, it's not about fees, it's about, you can't, under, you can't control the price, but we can control the process. So, I'm not here to promise you a price that you're gonna get for your home, I'll give you an indication, but everyone's gonna have an opinion and none of us are gonna buy your home. What you need to feel confident is, is the process that I show you that we use. Compare that to the others, see who you click with and go, go based on that. So, you know, it's, but you've got to be personal within mm. that. So, so I'll give you an example. So, all right, do you want to role play something? Yeah, let's role play something. All right. You, hopefully we don't crash and burn here. <laughs> and we, we can edit this, can't we? No, we're not editing. We yeah. refuse to edit on Rooster Radio. <laughs> right. um, my stepfather, Murray Bramwell, is a theatre critic. So I've grown up reviewing uh, in a world where theatre's... Re- so I might even critique your performance, Andrew, <laughs> sure. at the end of this. Okay. So what, am I going to be... You're a buyer. Okay. All right. So you, you're you looking to buy a home. So you've listed something? Yeah. So, so I've got something on the market and you call me about that home. Yeah. Right? And you're purely just calling me, Mark. I want to know about this property. Yeah. You've got a home, you own it, and you probably you need to sell it, okay? Because obviously, I'm trying to show you how you uncover that information. Uh, that won't always be the outcome from this, but then that tells you what to do from there. So, phone rings, hi, it's Mark. Yeah, g'day Mark, I see that you've uh, listed this uh, house in Paraka, interested in uh, potentially having a look at it. No worries, and your name? Andrew. Andrew, Andrew, no, no dramas at all. What can I answer for you about it? Oh, look, I really just wanted to, um, look, I saw the, the advertisement. I wanted to maybe pop down and um, have a look. Sure, no, that's fine. Andrew, I've also got another couple of properties coming up that are somewhat similar. Uh, d- just give me a feel, what is it that you're after? Looking at a three to four bedroom place, or three bedroom maybe with a study. Yep. Um, average size backyard. Yep. Um, I've got a couple of kids, so I want enough space for them to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, ideally, Close to some parks as well. Okay. Uh, so a bit of a, like a mid-sized family. family yeah, home. okay. Yeah. Look, there are a couple that might suit. At Lands, we actually sell a number of homes before they go to market. So with one of these other ones, if they come up and I need to send you a pre-release brochure, where can I post it? Yeah, but what about the original place that I'm calling up about? Yeah, you've just, well, you've you've just no, burnt me on that. No, you're <laughs> no, 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 you no, no, First rule of acting, you broke... You, you, no, no, I'm being I'm, I'm no, being but, real. Okay, I'm but, going, so, hang on, hang on. No, but think about this. So I've asked you... Monty, what do you want? Yes. You then spend a whole lot of time telling me what you want. So Monty, there's some other properties that are coming up that are also similar to that, that yeah. could suit you. What no, we can do is get them in front of you before they go to market. Would that be of interest? Yeah, it would. Yeah, okay, so if I need to send you a pre-release brochure, where can I post it? 
um, don't give me my email out. address. So you give an email. Yeah, so if I say email, post it, I'd give an email. Is that a post it? I would probably. Yep. So you would. You'd give an email. Yep. Okay. Well, Absolutely. Look, Andrew, we actually have a company policy where these pre-release brochures actually only go out via post. We used to email those, but we had buyers complaining that we had sent them and they got caught in their spam. They saw these properties hit the market and they missed them. They came okay. into our office complaining. We now have a company policy that if we're trying to find you a home, we just have to we'll post you out a hard copy. So where would you like it posted? Yep. Insert address here. Yes, that's good. And you, have you been there very long? A couple of years, yeah. Okay, and when you find a suitable property, are you gonna hang on to that one or? I ideally would like to try and hang on to it. Why, why are you hanging, why are you making? Wasn't, James? Wasn't, wasn't the brief that you're getting rid of this one? Well, no, no, actually, well, no, let's change it up. No, I would ideally perhaps like to hang on to it yep. if possible. No, if that's possible. fine. Well, look, what we'd love to do at a point in time is give you an idea as to what it's worth. Um, you know, if you're deciding whether you hang on to it or not, that'll obviously become relevant in what yeah. you spend. Yeah, I would like to know actually what it's yeah. worth. But look, that's, but won't talk about that now. Getting back to the property that you've inquired about, I'm going to try to get some of these other ones in front of you that are coming up. But that one you said you wanted to have a look at. So what about Friday at four o'clock? Done. Great. All right, we'll catch you there. What was your email address? So if you step out of that, and if you know you weren't such a prick, <laughs> <laughs> no. um, but if you step out of that, like if you called me, so the key is you, you, and did that kind of sound? Yeah. Reasonable? yeah, yeah. So I was just yes giving up that much info. It was yeah, just yeah, you are. So no, you're not actually that, conscious of no, what but, just and, and that's away. the thing. I think the the, the questioning, um, you sort of. You could easily just be taking it completely at face value, but you've got a you've got a story behind it in your mind, haven't you? You, you knew where you were heading. One hundred percent. If like that is the conversation mm. every call. Mm. So I've probably done that ten thousand times. Mm. So the idea is if if you and and if I get back to how we evolved, we, we kind of um, how that script degraded was that went from what is it you're after, Monty? I want X, Y, and Z. Look. There's a couple I've got coming up that actually could suit you. Um, if I need to send you a pre-release brochure, where can I post it? So there was nothing about systems. Mm. There was nothing about emails. There was nothing about spam. Mm. It was, oh, that's, oh, there's something, where can I post that? Mm. Now most people, 80% will give their postal address there and then. Mm. If they give a PO box, okay, PO box, great. Now before I can save this, what was your residential address? Mm. You won't let me save unless I enter that. Oh, I want you to give me my email. Well, look, we don't email it because there'd been buyers that have missed out, came in complaints, so or company policies. If we're finding your property, we're going to post that too. Mm. Oh, okay, this is what it is. So mm. you've got an answer for everything. Now, you're then going to tell me your address. And then the next key question is so when you find a suitable home, are you going to hang on to that? Or, and you shut up and you finish my sentence. No, I'm renting. Okay, great. Uh, or, uh, or no, we want to hang on to it as an investment property. Okay, great. Well, look, we have a property management arm of the business, mm. I'll get someone to touch base and your trails assigned. Well, no, look, we want to, we we'll probably need to sell it. Well, look, we do that as well. I'd love to give you an idea as to what it's worth, but let's deal with this property first. Never go for an appraisal there and then, mm. but you've got the information. So then you've got a trial that will then leverage off that. I'm thinking about my own experience. I purchased a place about five years ago and they must have asked me the same question about, do you have any other property? Because I did have another property under uh, rent roll somewhere yep. else. Yep. And I started to get, this was Harris, I started yep. to get emails saying, hey, can we look after yep. your properties, rent around, here's what we'll do and we'll give you a discount rate and all that. And it, yeah, I mean, it's incredibly effective. Oh, look, it's, 
and and it's all it is is just at that point instead of going oh yeah you like that house yeah okay let's make a time show through mm. see you later yeah that's 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 ninety percent of the industry yeah, yeah. but I mean or while, maybe eighty percent while like this that. is real estate specific I just think there's so many lessons that can be oh. learned for anyone through yep. all of this about picking up as much information as possible having trails upselling uh, systems and, and that concept that nothing's ever dead the no. lead's not dead it might be parked somewhere to be treated differently but it's not dead what's the difference between a buyer and a seller time ten, yeah, 10 years yeah, yeah five that's years. all it is yeah. so if you keep in touch with someone for 10 years and you've got a system that can do it efficiently mm. like if you've got to type emails out three times a year for 10 years you're not going to do it mm. but if you've got a system that runs that mm. and then you have a personal touch point and you keep in touch and you actually care you've got a pretty good chance of listing it. So heading into the future, what would you envisage for your business? What would you love for your business to achieve or to, to um, you know, evolve into? Uh, look, I don't really have any, like it's gotta be doing these numbers and this many people. Uh, it's about, I, I just wanna make sure it fits with my life and I want it to, I'm, my next focus is, uh, it's probably not a word, pacifying uh, my revenue stream, okay? So is so part of that is like, I'm still gonna transact property, but at the level that I'm doing it at now, I, I don't have 15 years left of that. But effectively, that's what all your processes are doing. That's right. Automating and, you. Yep. And did this come about, and I am leading you into something. <laughs> uh, this Typical journo. Did right? this come about <laughs> through, I guess a bit of a tipping point where you'd worked your ass off? <laughs> and you realise this just isn't physically yeah. sustainable? <laughs> yeah, yeah, perhaps did, I was in hospital. Yeah, uh, that's where I was yeah, yeah, in hospital. Yeah, chest pains and the works. We so. laugh, but it sounds mm. yeah, serious. Yeah, no, nah, and I'm fine. So how did, how did that come about? Oh, just um, working too much, I think, and caring too much, perhaps. Um, so, look, it's obviously too, Because uh, bur burnout's a really real thing for, oh, mate. for high achievers. You know, you, because, the, the, I think if you look into that a step further as well is like, you're exactly right, it is, but you know, don't, don't like the other high achiever, but if you're a high achiever, you like that for a reason, because you probably do care too much mm. and you probably are too focused on stuff that isn't entirely important. But the result of that then is you perhaps produce those results and then they generate more work and more, uh, and more responsibility. And then, yeah, so um, no, that, that was a key point like, uh, where just and I was fine, uh, but it's still something you deal with. Like like we were saying earlier, is not caring as much about money, this, that, and the other, or whatever it is for for, for whoever. Um, so it was understanding that what I'm doing, it's great, it's been wonderful, it's a blessing. But yeah, at this level, I'm not interested in doing this for another ten years. Um, it's got its time and its place, but I want to create a space for people to do that and partner with them. Uh, and, and for every one of them to learn, and, and also to have learned from my failures and experience. So someone can come in and I can go, well, these are the contact plans. This, like that took me eight years to develop. If I hadn't gone into you know, a, a large successful office on day one, I would have got up to speed heaps quicker. Mm. But I don't think I would have owned it in the mm. same way. Uh, like it was up to me to find the trainers, the systems, the software, everything. Um, so I've been so incremental, but then that's kind of then just kind of blown up a bit the last like, three or four years. So I think it's creating a place where people can do that. So from a business perspective, <clears throat> he's just growing a small sales team and just wanting them to go really well. 
but also love what they do and realise it's just a job um, and strike that balance. Mm. Well, I think that's a really good note to finish on, James. What do you reckon? Unless you've got anything else? No, I'd firstly, just um, thanks for coming in um, and, and sharing the sort of uh, your, your systemised approach to this because I think um, it's, it's a space I personally don't do very well and also I think it's a lot of, uh, a lot of people that I do know have all this information and no one treats it um, you know, with the sort of uh, respect that it probably requires. Mate, if, 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 so everything that I've done, like that script or whatever, like I've not come up with any of that. No. It's been stuff that I've just uh, replicated. Mm. And every person that I've met and established relationships with over time that is successful in this industry, it's they're consistent, they're systemized, mm. and they just they do the key tasks that they've got to do every day. So. Mm. There's something in that, mm. you know, um, and then if you, yeah, and, and as I said, that's applicable to any form of sales or business. Well, you've inspired me to get my Mad Men <laughs> kit back on for 26 days, <laughs> schmick up a little bit. Oh, yeah. You thanks can never be overdressed. No, no, you can't. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Rooster Radio Podcast, hosted by Tracks Leadership's James Begley and Apiro Consulting's Andrew Montesi.